Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. It is almost noon. We are in Little Lamps Coffee Shop. Uh, with me today is Angela Columbus of the Philly Inquirer. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So we have... Um, it was like, I don't know, not a lot legislatively happened this week, right. but we have a lot of news this week. Yes. Um, and I think just to start off, um, uh, former Governor Tom Ridge right. uh, had has now been confirmed as a heart attack recently. Right. Just yesterday morning this happened, right? Right. So he was down in Texas uh, for a gathering of Republican governors, and around 7 a.m., according to a statement from his spokesman, he called uh, staff at the hotel where he was staying and uh, said that he needed medical assistance, and he was rushed to the hospital. And this morning, we literally, maybe about a half hour ago, we got a statement, an updated statement from his wife, in which she says that he remains in critical condition, that he suffered a heart attack, and that it is a day-to-day proposition for him. But, you know, he's a fighter. He's a, he's a Vietnam veteran. Um, you know, the first Homeland Security uh, secretary in, in the United States. Yeah. Um, and he's got a lot of people pulling for him. Absolutely. And, you know, whenever, like, a scare like this happens, there is discussion of this person's legacy. Mm-hmm. And Tom Ridge, I mean, looking back, he was he was a very popular governor. He was. And he served, I know, a, right before Ed Rendell, so that was until, what, 2001, 2002? Right. He left in 2001 to go become, uh, after the September 11th attacks. Right. After- Right. right. So that was, I mean, he sort of left in a blaze of glory. I right. think that really cemented his legacy. Um, there are a couple things, though, I mean, it should be noted, and I think this will be noted, yep. that, uh, you know, have not aged well, I guess, that his yes. administration did. I think, namely, there was a big uh, increase in pension benefits under yes. coverage. So, I, I mean, that people that are going to factor that into his legacy as well. Sure, because the state is, part of the reason why the state is having all of these financial problems is because of the rising skyrocketing really cost of, of pension benefits uh, for state and uh, state employees and public school employees. And that was um, a measure that passed uh, in the legislature during the Ridge years and when we, the economy was great and everybody thought, you know, it was um, everything was going to turn out okay and yeah. nobody could anticipate the big um, economic explosion in 2009. Right, right. And um, I'm sorry, I'm chewing because I'm starving during this podcast. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to keep that to a minimum. But yeah, so these are all things you know, that are going to factor into Tom Ridge's legacy. But um, I do think when you talk to people, because yep. I was never here when he was governor or even when he was really in Pennsylvania much. Right. But um, he was known really as a, kind of a nice guy. People yes. liked him a lot personally. People liked him. I mean, he was a Republican governor at a time when, again, the legislature was firmly in the hands of Republicans. Having said that, though, he was a a moderate Republican who also took pains to make sure that Democrats, who were in the minority in the legislature, were getting certain things that they wanted. And it was very much unlike the climate of today, which is, you know, everybody is very sort of polarized and there's a lot of uh, demonizing going on. And he was sort of the antithesis of that. And in fact, um, spoke out against um, President Trump and some of his, uh, you know, his persona and his approach to politics, which yeah. is very polarizing. Yeah, absolutely. So Tom Ridge, um, again, we're going to keep doing updates yep. on how he's doing. Lots of people, again, in the state polling for him. Um, 
now, moving past that, because we really don't know too much about we him don't. at this point. So we will definitely have additional updates, hopefully, uh, as you know, the next week goes on. Yep. But um, got another piece of news. We're really just going to move through a bunch of unrelated yep. news items this week because there was just it was kind of scattershot. Um, the Independent Fiscal Office yes. did a report. Um, now these are. Often very complicated, very dry reports, but uh, the upshot of it was that it's likely that lawmakers are going to have a billion dollar or so gap to deal with in this coming year's budget. Now, we just finished this year's right. budget, right? So, does this, what I mean, from a reporting perspective for yeah. you, Angela, when you hear this, you're like, what do you think? Oh my gosh! I mean, the first thing is like I'm 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 sighing because I'm thinking to myself we're going to have to go through yet another torturous budget season where the same type of polarization exists uh, as existed this year, as existed last year, and the year before, um, which is you know how do we deal with this deficit? Are we going to raise any significant taxes to try and create a stable and reoccurring source of revenue? Or are we going to be, again, fighting over, you know, getting scraps from here and scraps from there? Um, so the only incentive I, would, I can see for a swift resolution to the budget next year is that it is an election year. Um, uh, and Governor Wolf is up for re-election, and he has not one now, but two legislators, um, Republican legislators seeking his job. That would be House Speaker Mike Terzai and Senator Scott Wagner. Um, so there might be, you know, a, more of an incentive to kind of wrap it up early and allow them to go out and campaign over the summer. Um, because if you have a lingering budget, I mean, you have to be in Harrisburg. You can't be out gallivanting across the state. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it should be said, too, like this budget that we just finished four months late um, – in the IFO report, that was basically listed as a reason we're going to have this shortfall again. Because That's right. Because if you remember from the budget times, uh, it seems so long ago, it was no reason. I know. But, um, one of the reasons we uh, were concerned about this budget is because it doesn't have a ton of recurring revenue. Right. Um, and, in fact, a lot of the money that it's balanced on was one-time transfers. Right. And, uh, you know, that means it doesn't come back. That money's gone once it's used once. So in the IFO's report, they basically, you know, one of, in part of their conclusion, they said, we have a fundamental problem in this state of our expenses growing faster right. than our economy grows, than our revenue grows. And so... That's something that, you know, you either have to, right. you know, cut way more or you have to raise some taxes. There's right. really no other way around it, but they've been trying to find other ways around it. Yeah, and there's been, you know, some curiosity surrounding the whole um, concept of how the gambling expansion is actually going to fare once it, you know, uh, these new licenses are auctioned off, and once you know online gambling is up and running, and I think it's it's again, I'm sorry for the pun, it's a bit of a gamble right now as to whether it's going to raise the you know the type of money that these that legis the legislature and the governor are banking on. Yeah, so a lot's up in the air with that. We really are going to have to see because it's it's tough it's tough to make hard decisions during an election year. We, right. That's kind of the conventional wisdom we hear going that's into right. budgets. But, um, you know, I mean, we ask this question every year, it feels like, but, you know, how long can they go with the structural imbalance? I mean, you, you just passed a budget, and now we're thinking, all right, probably going to have to have right. another billion dollars to fill in next year. I mean, it seems like it doesn't end. 
Yeah, it doesn't. And, and, you know, I think you are going to see some of the more moderate Republicans pushing back um, a little bit more. You did see and it was a, a fairly historic thing in some respects. I mean, the Senate passed a Marcella shale tax bill now with some controversial regulatory changes in there but they did pass it and that was considered a very significant step in trying to raise new revenue and and raise taxes and you know a lot of republican senators will say well we stuck our neck out to do this um because you know it is it it is a fairly controversial tax um and there's a lot of pushback from the industry on it um the question is going to be in the House, I mean, because that can be a very significant source of new revenue in the House. Is it going to be is is um, the House Speaker, Mike Terzai, going to insist on having this majority of the majority, in other words, the majority of Republicans who control the chamber, agree to a tax? Or is he going to allow um, a coalition of Democrats and moderate Republicans to, to pass a shale tax. Because a lot of people think that would be enough Absolutely. votes to pass a shale tax. It yep. seems like it would be. So then, I mean, that's, you know, we'll see where it goes. But uh, speaking of House Speaker Mike Terzai, yep. as you mentioned before, he is running for governor. That's right. Um, we learned that this week he had a, uh, was it what, Monday he had his announcement? Monday, yeah, it was Tuesday. either Monday or Tuesday. It's blurring. Yeah. But he did it in the evening. And uh, as you had said before, you can't really <laughs> announce that you're running for governor if you're in leadership and uh, there's still a budget hanging out there undone. Right. So he waited until after it was finished. And right. then, you know, with after a ton of back and forth, uh, you know, vacillating on whether or not right. he wanted to run, he decided he's going to. Um, and now that brings us to, you know, him being an important voice on the severance tax. I right. mean, if you watched his campaign video, I think we all Abs- did. Yes. His, uh, his message is, I have been stopping new taxes in Harrisburg yeah. for years, for my entire career. I will protect the taxpayer. Right. Um, uh, so that seems like a pretty firm stance he's taken there, right? It is, and it's going to, going to be interesting to see how he proceeds. You know, there are some conspiracy theorists out there who believe a couple of things. Number one, <laughs> that, you know, now Mike Terzai becomes the third person from Allegheny County to enter the race, um, which would likely split the vote in Allegheny County, could even impact uh, the vote out in the more moderate um, Philadelphia suburbs, um, essentially ushering, helping to usher in a Scott Wagner, um, you know, who is, uh, he just sort of describes himself as a Donald Trump-like figure, um, and basically allow him, you know, pave the way for him to be the nominee, the Republican nominee. Um, so there's, you know, there, there is that. Um, the other question about Mike Terzai is he has vacillated a lot on this issue. And so there are some politicians out there who privately say, well, let's see if he files his petitions next uh-huh. year. He may be an- have announced, but let's see if he actually goes through with it. So I right. think that'll be something key to be watching as the as time progresses. And Mike Terzai has been a person who has sort of you know floated the idea of running for governor before. This is not nearly yes. the first time he's done it. Uh, he also did have a run for Congress back right. in like, what, the 90s that that happened? I believe so. Yeah, when it, early in his political career. Um, you know, he's he's always sort of on the minds of people right. who are putting together these political fields, and now he has, in fact, thrown his hat in right. for the first time. Has he has he thrown it in officially before, or is this the first time I don't for governor? Be- the first time officially that I'm aware of for governor, um, I know that he toyed with a congressional run again a few years back, but... Um, 
I don't believe he ever formally announced for that, and he just kind of decided not to do it. Right. Um, and so I, I do think we should stress how important of a voice Mike Terzai is, sure. not just in the battle against raising taxes, because right. he is, in fact, Very. one of the most important voices there, but specifically the natural gas severance tax. Right. Um, he... You know, as a House Speaker, he has a lot of power, he has a lot of influence, and he has had press conferences, like, before votes on these bills, yeah. telling other Republicans not to vote for them. Yeah. So, I mean, can you think of it? I mean, he's one of the loudest voices, I think, anti-tax voices in the entire state government, I would say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, although he is, you know, at least some of the people who are running against him are trying to portray him as very much the the insider, the, the, your typical Harrisburg insider. And I'm not sure that that is necessarily a fair assessment of Mike Terzai, because he does kind of march to his own drum um, yes. on, on many, you know, different levels. But, um, but yeah, look, he is what he says has and does has tremendous impact on policy emanating from the Capitol. And without his say so, it doesn't happen. It, it really is that simple. Yeah, and I've heard people say. Yeah. I mean, people who are insiders who know the party, who know the people, say, yeah. For instance, during a budget impasse, if the House Republicans come out and they stand in a line and they say we're doing this, see if Terza is standing with them because if right. he's not, he's probably not, happening. not on board, and yeah. he can jettison the whole thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which he did, I think, several times in this past budget process. That's right. Um, and some people have kind of mentioned, uh, you know, his temperament and yeah. whether he has the temperament to be governor. He's um, an emotional guy. Yes, he can be. Um, he was very emotional on the issue of um, legalizing medical marijuana. There are have been multiple reports that, you know, during one caucus uh, discussion of, of whether to legalize medical marijuana or not, that he actually got teary and was he was opposed to it. Um, yeah. You had a story during this past budget impasse where That's uh, right. I forget even what the issue was. I think it was a hotel tax yes. that the House Republicans were trying to pass. And they went into committee to try to, you know, vote through their version of this bill. And Terzai was late. And it turns out, this is your story, yeah. that he was, what, banging on Wolf's door? Yeah. He felt that uh, the governor had gone back on his word on, on another issue that – I guess he felt was necessary to actually get the necessary votes on the hotel tax. So um, he went up to the governor's office and was banging on the governor's. I mean, who does that, right? I mean, and the governor was in Philadelphia, so he wasn't even there. And then he kind of looped around and went in through a different entrance and, and banged on that door, too. And finally, he did get in and speak to the governor's chief of staff. But it sounded like it was a very unpleasant uh, encounter. Yeah. And then I actually hadn't known this was all happening. But then he came into the committee meeting all smiles and he was very happy. Yeah. Um, so he's an interesting guy. And he is. He's an interesting person to watch and like, you know, if he's a campaign context, a political context generally. Yes. So uh, stay tuned for more on Mike Terzai's bid for governor. Um, speak, and again, another Terzai-related issue. Um, yeah. We've had, uh, there's two lawsuits yes. right now in Pennsylvania on redistricting. Yes. Uh, one has gotten to the federal level. One's on the state level. Yes. It might be moving to the federal level. It's unclear. So, yep. uh I guess, you know, these are both lawsuits that are attempting to get Pennsylvania's congressional maps deemed unconstitutional because right. they're gerrymandered right. or redistricted in a partisan way. Uh, so what, what's the latest development on that? So there's two, like you said, there's two different lawsuits. One is in state court um, and the other is in federal court. Well, there was an effort by... Um, Senator, uh, Senate President Joe Scarnati um, y yesterday, I believe, he filed an emergency petition to 
before a federal judge to have the state lawsuit moved to federal court. And in this emergency petition, um, it was actually a joint petition between him and Mike Terzai. And, and they're, they're joint defendants they're, on this Correct. Matter. They're yeah. joint defendants. Um, so, so literally like a half hour before the judge was supposed to decide this issue, um, the petition is withdrawn. Um, and there is a statement essentially from Terzai and um, I guess one of his spokespeople saying, well, we never agreed to that. I don't know how and why we ended up being part of this petition, but it's not true. We're not part of it. And so I think it created a lot behind the scenes, a lot of, um, I'm sure it resulted in a lot of cursing right. and a lot of behind the scenes fighting. As many things yeah. do. And I think the Senate probably was unhappy that they looked, I think, as you said before, yes. when we were talking, like they had egg on their face after this. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, so that's what's happening with the state petition or with the state lawsuit, rather. Right. Do you know why they wanted to get it moved into federal court? Um, I don't know exactly why. I have a good guess, which is I think they fear um, the the fate. I, I, I think everybody believes this is going to end up before the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, right. which now is, um, you know, leans Democratic, strongly is Democratic. strongly Democratic. Um, and I think they are very fearful as to uh, what the court will decide. Yeah. And that does seem to make sense. I will say also in the federal lawsuit, I think this happened last week, there was a development there yes. as well. Um, the Republican defendants, um, so that would be, again, Scarnati and Terza, right. um, were ordered by this federal judge in Philadelphia to turn over any communications that they had had with a Republican redistricting organization known right. as Red Map. Right. Um, they, Democrats have similar organization. Um, this was all done in the lead-up to um, you know the redistricting effort in 2011, the census right. in 2010. And uh, so they were ordered to you know show communications of that. I believe right. they did attempt to uh, get a, a stay on that. Or? Yes, and um, the judge basically said, "No, you've got to turn over all communications um, yeah. with with Red Map." And I think that that could be, I think it's a particularly frightening concept for for all involved because if there was political um, coordination, um, you know, the really that lawsuit is going to be decided fairly quickly is my sense of it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the case in the Supreme Court. There's that right. case from Wisconsin where that has been sort of the centerpiece yes. of the prosecution saying that they had concerted coordination with partisan right. actors to yes. draw these lines and that there were private meetings where Democrats weren't involved. Right. And that's part of the Pennsylvania lawsuit as well. I think they're using maybe not Wisconsin as a template, but it's going to be a similar situation. It is. And, you know, our, our voters' interests at the heart of what they are, you know, in, in the politicians' minds as they're drawing these lines, or are they essentially just, you know, looking to protect themselves yeah. over the voters' interests? Exactly. And I will say, just while we're on the topic of redistricting, WITF and uh, Penn Live and Patriot News have a redistricting project that's currently airing and going online. So check out either one of our websites or go listen to WITF to hear and see what we are doing with that. Uh, we're looking at you know why our districts are so crazily shaped in Pennsylvania, and it's been really fascinating to get uh, sort of just inside of the drawings of individual districts. Um, so I mean, and, and this is an issue everybody's reporting on right now because yeah. it's just it's rich in crazy stories. Yeah, and the congressional seats are up um, next year, yeah. and, you know, 13 of the 18 are now Republicans, so the outcome of these lawsuits could have a tremendous impact on those races. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, uh, so I think we hit most of our major points <laughs> for this podcast, but we do have one other yes. vital thing that we have to discuss, um, uh, the state amphibian. Oh, yes. yes. The, the battle of the salamanders, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I will say, so you're, um, so Mark Levy of the Associated yes. Press, also Angela's husband, has been following this very closely, if you follow him on Twitter. He's got a poll up right now about mm-hmm. what amphibian Pennsylvania should name as its state amphibian. Angela, why has this become so contentious? Well, the Senate earlier this week passed a uh, bill essentially saying that we want to name a new state amphibian, um, the Eastern Hellbender, um, <laughs> as as the state amphibian. Yeah. And, you know, it passed. And a day later, I believe, um, in, the, in the House, and obviously the bill now goes to the House, but a day later... Um, the House Majority Leader, Dave Reed, put out a co-sponsorship memo saying, well, oh, no, 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 wait. I've got another salamander that I want to be, the state amphibian, okay? And, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, if it's Whirly's salamander or Whirl's. Yeah, it's, it's spelled W-E-H-R-L-E. It's a, a late naturalist and environmentalist right. and conservation. I'm not exactly sure. Yes, a naturalist. Scientist, yes. Who uh, discovered the salamander. Yes, and he happens to be from Dave Reed's district of in, in Indiana County. So he wants this to be now the state amphibian. And so there is this, I'm sure, going to be grand, you know, showdown <laughs> of the salamanders in the Capitol in the, in the coming months. I also just love, I mean... It's a really funny debate anyway, but it's also, I think, especially funny because it's Dave Reed who's, like, putting up this salamander opposition because he's known. He's a pretty a laid-back guy. Yes. He doesn't really tangle too often. And he this doesn't. is going to be the hill he dies on. <laughs> I know. Issue. On land and in water, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, so we'll see how contentious this gets. Maybe it's just going to end in them saying, oh, actually, no, the hellbender or whatever. Right. But uh, also worth, no- worth noting a bunch of... Um, Students, I think high school students were right. the ones who drafted that hellbender legislation yes. in the Senate. So, And um, if you believe Mark Levy's poll on Twitter, <laughs> um, I think the hellbender, otherwise known as the snot otter, um, is, is winning. Beautiful yeah. name. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, honor Pennsylvania. Make the snot otter our amphibian. I love it. Um, so we will see. People are actually very, very invested in this um, yes. amphibian debate. So. Please stay tuned. This is going to be uh, the hot news coming out of the Capitol for the next couple of weeks. Um, All right, Angela, anything else you're looking at in the coming days, coming weeks? I mean, next week is uh, Thanksgiving, so um, we do have the House coming back next week, I believe Monday and Tuesday, and there has been some talk as to whether there might be some movement on pushing um, a version of a Marcellus shale tax. Um, You you know, look, I'll believe it when I see it, uh, (laughs) but that is on the radar for next week. Right. Uh, So, yeah, we'll keep looking at that. Um, And after Thanksgiving, I mean, they right. generally don't do a whole lot until no. the end of the year, right? Right, and they'll go to New York the first uh, for PA Society the first week in, in December, yeah. and I guess this year is going to be a big year to sort of test whether um, the event, which now it can't be held at the Waldorf because the Waldorf is under construction for the next three years, you know, whether you're going to have the same type of interest as in years past. But typically, in an election year or leading up to an election year, um, PA Society is is a very big event. 
um, gubernatorial candidates go and raise a ton of money there, um, you know, and you'll probably see uh, lots of congressional candidates too. Yeah, absolutely. So lots to keep track of. Um, we also, I should note, I think we mentioned this on a previous podcast, but uh, there is another deadline coming up, unemployment compensation funding, which is something the state's been fighting about for over a year. Uh runs out or is due to run out at the end of the year. And so I think we have a vote on that, possibly on Monday. Some new legislation is out on that. So that's something if you are, um, you know, if you work in the unemployment compensation offices or you know somebody who does, that's been a huge issue that has not gone away that might get resolved uh, shortly. So we'll see about that. Um, Otherwise, just stay tuned for more exciting updates about salamanders. (laughs) Again, Angela Columbus with Philly Inquirer. Thanks so much for coming out. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be back next week. Or maybe not. We'll have to see if we're back with uh, Thanksgiving and all that. But uh, we'll keep you posted.